Hello from Toronto, Canada, and thank you for joining the latest edition of the Ipsasby Meeting Highlights audio podcast. This podcast will cover some of the more significant issues discussed at the Ipsasby's June 21st to June 24th meeting. I'm your host, John Stanford, Ipsasby Technical Director. I'm joined by Ipsasby Consultative Advisory Group Chair Thomas Muller-Markersberger, Ipsasby Chair Ian Carruthers, along with Ipsasby Technical Staff Members Paul Mason, Joao Ronseca and Ross Smith, and our guest Anthony Heffernan. Welcome to you all. Thomas, Monday was a historic day for the Ipsasby, the inaugural meeting of the recently constituted Consultative Advisory Group, or CAG. Could you please provide a summary of the Ipsasby CAG meeting? Thanks, John, for the opportunity to report on the first meeting of the Ipsasb Consultative Advisory Group. Given that the Ipsasb has been advocating for establishing oversight mechanisms, including a CAG, since years, the opening of the meeting on Monday the 20th certainly has indeed been a historic moment. The inaugural CAG consists of 19 appointed members, of which 16 were able to attend this first meeting. The 19 appointed members represent various stakeholder groups, national backgrounds and perspectives, and the details of the CAC composition, including names and functions, are available on the EPSIS website, but let me give you a brief overview on the current CAC membership. Actually, the biggest group of nine members represent preparers and users. Five members are auditors or representatives of professional accountancy organizations, Two members each represent a standard-setting organization and a non-governmental organization. As the parliamentarian perspective has not yet been reflected by the composition, we are working on adding this by appointing additional members in due course. In terms of geographies, the 14 male and 6 female members originate with 6 members from Europe, with 4 members from Africa and with 3 from Asia, while Middle East is represented by 2 members. Latin America, North America and Oceania are represented each by one member. The remaining members are international representatives. Let me come to the agenda of the first meeting, which covered firstly a discussion on remit and procedures of the CAC before the CAC members were introduced to the current Ipsos B work plan by the Ipsos B chair. Based on that, Ipsos B staff presented three of the main important projects on the work plan which were social benefits, revenue and non-exchange expenses. For all three projects, the Ipsos B staff had distilled the key strategic issues where the CAC's input was sought. Looking back, I have to say that I was really impressed by the quality of discussion on which the CAC members had on all these strategic points. The discussion was very lively and constructive and the members have been extremely interested and engaged. As a result, the CAC developed interesting viewpoints which were fed into the project discussions during the IPSSB meeting. As a summary, I think I can say that we had a very successful and promising start of this new governance body. I am therefore very optimistic that, based on the great variety and experience of the members, the CAC will be able to support the IPSSB in achieving its strategic objective of developing high-quality public sector accounting standards. Thank you, Thomas, and congratulations on a very positive inaugural CAG meeting. Now I'll turn to Ipsasby Chair Ian Carruthers to offer some comments and observations on the June Ipsasby meeting. Thank you, John. 
I'd certainly like to uh, record the fact that this was a historic meeting with the CAG meeting the day before the first day of the board meeting. And I think certainly we've seen through our discussions on both social benefits and revenue and non-exchange expenses the very positive input and very important role that the CAG can play in our future work. This was also an important meeting because we approved two final pronouncements, as you'll hear later. Firstly, uh, what will become Ipsos 39 on employee benefits, and also the pronouncement on impairments of revalued assets. Furthermore, we also approved the consultation paper on public sector financial instruments, and we approved the project brief for the leases project. So overall, I think it's been a very successful meeting and I'll now hand back to John so we can hear about the developments on those projects in detail. Thank you, Ian. As Ian's mentioned, one of the agenda items addressed on the meeting's first day was the approval of a consultation paper on public sector financial instruments. Now I'll ask Ipsasby Principal Ross Smith to provide us with an update in order to give us a few details. Thanks, John. The IPSASB reviewed and approved the consultation paper for public sector financial instruments with a comment period until December 31, 2016. The paper considers approaches developed considering the IPSASB's conceptual framework related to accounting for transactions that mainly relate to what the paper defines as monetary authorities. The main topics included in the consultation paper are monetary gold, currency in circulation, and IMF quota subscriptions and special drawing rights. The monetary gold chapter considers the approaches which may be appropriate for the measurement of monetary gold based on the monetary authority's intentions in holding the assets. The currency and circulation chapter considers approaches for the recognition and measurement of currency when issued by monetary authorities. When a legal or non-legally binding obligation exists, a view is put forward that a liability should be recognized for notes and coins and circulations. The final chapter in the CP considers the recognition and measurement related to IMF quota subscriptions and SDR holdings and SDR allocations. The IPSASB puts forward its views on how such transactions should be dealt with. Watch for the publication of the consultation paper in July 2016 and please send us your responses. Thank you for that positive news, Ross. Let's take a look at another agenda item, the approval of IPSAS 39 employee benefits. João Carlos Fonseca, Manager Standards Development and Technical Projects, will update us on developments at the June 2016 meeting. Yes, John, thank you. Uh, The IPSASB has approved IPSAS 39 employee benefits at this meeting and uh, replaces IPSAS 25 employee benefits. IPSAS 25 was issued in 2008 and was drawn primarily from IS-19 employee benefits issued in 2004 by the International Accounting Standards Board. The ISB made a number of amendments to IS-19 in the period of 2011-2015. In January 2016, the IPSASB issued Exposure Draft 59 amendments to IPSAS 25 employee benefits. Exposure Draft 59 proposed amendments to converge with IS-19. The proposed amendments made a large number of changes to the text of IPSA 25 that impaired the understandability of IPSA 25. The IPSASB, therefore, decided to issue a new IPSA 39 employee benefits, 
rather than a revised IPSAS 25 in order to help preparers. The majority of responses to Exposure Draft 59 supported the amendments to IPSAS 25. The most important proposed amendments are eliminating an option that allowed an entity to defer the recognition of changes in the net defined benefit liability, also known as the corridor approach, introduction of the net interest approach, and amending some of the disclosure requirements for defined benefit plans and multiplier plans. Thank you for that information, Schwab. Before moving on, I'll mention that the IPSASBE approved amendments to the two IPSASs on impairment, IPSAS 21 and IPSAS 26 at this meeting. These amendments bring property, plant and equipment and intangible assets on the revaluation model within the scope of IPSAS 21 and IPSAS 26. Joining us again is IPSASBE Principal Paul Mason, who will discuss the key project social benefits. Paul. What can you tell us about discussions at this meeting? Thank you, John. The IPSASBE concluded its review of responses at this meeting and made a number of decisions. Probably the key one is that it is going to take forward two of the three approaches that it discussed in the CP in developing its exposure draft. These are the obligating event approach and the insurance approach. The board will not proceed with the social contract approach. On the obligating event approach, the board also made some decisions. Firstly, that the definition of an obligating event should not distinguish between contributory and non-contributory benefits, although whether or not there are contributions may go to the evidence as to whether an obligating event has occurred. Secondly, that social benefits should be measured using the cost of fulfilment basis. And finally, that where there are scheme assets, these should be presented as part of a social benefit scheme. The IPSASBE will consider at its next meeting when an obligating event can occur. There was a number of points in the suggested in the consultation paper and the board will consider those at its next meeting. On the insurance approach, the board took an in principle decision to direct users to a forthcoming IFRS on insurance. This was having decided that the insurance approach is only really applicable for a narrow range of schemes, typically those that are fully funded. That's very informative, Paul. Let me now welcome to the podcast Anthony Heffernan, Director of Accounting Standards of the New Zealand External Reporting Board. Anthony led a further discussion on revenue at the recently concluded meeting. I'm sure our listeners will be interested in hearing more on this and the related project on non-exchange expenses. Anthony, can you provide a summary, please? Thank you, John. This agenda item was extremely productive and active discussion. Staff walked the board members through seeking feedback on matters of all components of the revenue and non-exchange project to provide feedback on all components of the consultation paper currently in the process of being drafted. The focus of the discussions were on two areas or two groups of areas. First, active discussions on the revenue from a revenue perspective, and then following that, active discussions from a non-exchange perspective. Once all these components were discussed, uh, the projects were brought back to reconfirm how these will be addressed in the CP together. 
A key outcome of the revenue discussions was a reconfirmation of the focus of the consultation paper from a revenue perspective. The focus areas are on an update to IPSAS 9 and IPSAS 11 to converge with the new framework and guidance provided by IFRS 15. The second primary focus confirmed to the revenue project is whether the extension of IFRS 15 performance obligation approach could be extended to capture a broader range of transactions with the objective of using this approach to solve some issues in IPSAS 23. The board then switched focus and considered the agenda items within this project on expenses, or specifically non-exchange expenses. The discussions focused on potential approaches to developing standard level requirements and guidance for non-exchange expenses. The options considered by the board were extending the scope of IPSAS 19, applying an IPSAS 23 approach to non-exchange expenses, and consideration of the performance obligation approach to non-exchange expenses. Finally, once all components of the CP were considered, the board considered an alternative CP approach or broad outline, which was widely supported by all board members and provided a clear path for projecting this project forward. We appreciate that update, Anthony, and thank you for joining us today. Before we conclude this podcast, I'd like to ask Ipsasby Chair Ian Carruthers to make some closing remarks. Thank you, John. I think I'd like to endorse the points that Anthony has made in terms of the revenue and non-exchange expenses project. Uh, This was an important discussion for the board and I think the uh, very wide-ranging discussion covering all the areas that uh, we intend to be in the CP has given us a really good basis for discussion in September of the full consultation paper on that subject and it's certainly important and wide-ranging in its coverage and its implications and links as well to other areas of guidance. The second consultation paper that we'll discuss in September where we had a good board discussion is one of the topics that we haven't covered so far in this podcast, heritage. Clearly there's a lot of interest from stakeholders in this project and I'm confident that as a result of the discussion that we had at this board meeting, we will have another productive discussion in September and hopefully that will take us to approval of that CP as we intend in December. The third very important public sector project is of course social benefits and as Paul has said I think we made very good progress on that. Certainly it set us up well for starting to develop the exposure draft on something that has certainly been important in terms of uh, stakeholder views and input uh, for some considerable time and we look forward to moving that project forward too in September. Thank you Ian. We now conclude the latest instalment of this Ipsasby Meeting Highlights audio podcast. Thank you to all who have joined us today, and thank you to you, our listeners. The Ipsasby will be issuing a post-meeting e-news with more detailed information, so please make sure you are subscribed to receive all Ipsasby news and updates. The next Ipsasby meeting will be from September the 20th to the 23rd, 2016, in Toronto. Meetings of the IPSASB are open and members of the public may register as observers. More information is available on the IPSASB website. 
All audio podcast meeting highlights are available in the meetings section of the Ipsasby website. And listeners can find us on iTunes by searching for IFAC Accountancy Podcast. Listeners can also follow us on Twitter at Ipsasb underscore news. On behalf of the Ipsasby, I'm John Stanford. Thank you for listening and please join us again in September.